Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, also a keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all sorts of information related to wellness, positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and lots of other wellness-related things. It's also the place to communicate with me and uh, even to suggest guests for upcoming podcasts. As listeners of the podcast know, my goal is to present not just interesting and not just informative people, but individuals who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and have ways of helping us to become the best versions of ourselves that we possibly can become. And since we're starting a new year, it becomes very important to Take those resolutions and put those plans into action, pursue our goals, and be able to look at things a year from now and say that you are, we are, I am, you are all a better version of ourselves than we were when we started out. And certainly one of the best ways is through staying as fit and as healthy as possible. And in that regard, I can't think of a better guest to share that information and set us on our goals than Kathleen Trotter. Kathleen is a fitness expert, media personality, personal trainer, writer, and author of Finding Your Fit, a compassionate trainer's guide to making fitness a lifelong habit and your fittest future self making choices today for a happier, healthier, fitter future, you. And, you know, I think that's what, whatever age we are, that's what we all want to be able to do is to, the science behind all the benefits of being fit are out there for us to see. And today we're going to learn about how to implement that. And Kathleen is also written widely. She just appears on media. She's she does lots of things, and we'll let her tell you about it. So, Kathleen, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to kick off the year with having you as our guest. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the wonderful introduction, and I love the name of the podcast. I think we're going to have such an awesome conversation because that is really my philosophy about health and wellness, that it should make you feel this more energized, more vital version of you and allow you to do the things that you love to do, whether that's play hockey or play with your grandkids or just walk to and from work and have energy once you get to work, you know? I think we're all feeling very burnt out and overwhelmed in this current reality. So anything that we can do to sort of bring our healthier, fitter, more alive self to the forefront of life is a good thing. Absolutely. And I'm counting on you to help us in this regard. And uh, what I didn't mention for for those of you who don't know, uh, Kathleen is in Toronto. So obviously the first sport she mentioned was hockey. (laughs) Well, you know, what's funny is I thought of hockey because my dad is 
an inspiration for me, actually both of my parents, because my dad plays hockey still four days a week. He's uh, 75 and he's just, he loves it. And my mom, you know, she gardens and she walks and she does yoga. And, you know, both of my parents have really helped me realize that being active has to be a non-negotiable, but how you're active is up to you, right? Like I tried hockey when I was a kid, didn't love it. Not a huge fan of gardening. Uh, you know, if I said to myself, well, the only way I was going to be active is if I played hockey four days a week and garden three days a week, I probably would just be like, screw it. I'm not going to do it. I love to run. I've done triathlons, you know, in my twenties, I love Pilates. I like strength training. Um, I have found a recipe of fitness that's really worked for me. And that's what I try to help my clients do, because I think we get caught up in these shoulds of like, well, this is the best work and I should be doing that. Or I need to wait until I can find the perfect routine to start. And I'm like, no, you just got to start today. And you got to find something that you enjoy, or at least something that you don't despise. And, and then just you know, start and do, and you can always tweak as you go. Uh, one of my favorite books and authors is uh, James Clear. He wrote Atomic Habits, and he talks about this idea of you have to standardize before you can optimize. And what that means is you just have to get into the habit of exercising without letting perfectionism get in the way. What I say to my clients, the equivalent is, you know, you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to get great. So whatever age you are, if you're thinking, you know, I really like to start exercising, then you just have to go. Like, even as you're listening to this podcast, if you can get up, walk around, walk around your house, your apartment, go for a walk as you listen, like anything you do in this moment, because this is the only moment you have control over. So you don't have to feel like the Olympic athlete, really strong to, to start. And you don't have to feel like you have the best program or the one that's perfect for you. Again, you just have to start, you have to do something, whether it's a 10 minute walk, or, you know, you could find an online yoga class or, or whatever, you could just sit and do 10 minutes of stretching. Um, but finding the thing that you'll actually do, finding the thing that sort of has the uh, smallest price of admission, right? And setting the bar low enough that you'll actually do it and then just keep doing it over and over again. And then a week will go by, a month will go by, a year will go by and you'll be like, oh, I am actually more active. Like this is pretty awesome, right? And, and then I look at my parents and they've just sort of done that their entire lives. And now they're still doing it. You know, and I have clients who are, I have five clients currently that are over 80 and they're amazing. They walk, they bike, they play with their grandkids. You know, when I say, get down on the ground, they get down on the ground. It's a squat, they squat. I say like, we're lifting weights, they lift weights. I often joke with them that they are fitter and more active and more agile than some of my clients in like the forties and fifties and sixties, because they actually do it on a really consistent basis. They make it a non-negotiable. So yeah, anyway, my mess, I think my main message uh, from all of that is just like done is better than perfect. Something is better than nothing and start today. You can tweak as you go, but if you don't start, you don't have anything to tweak. I don't know. Does any of that land with you? Definitely. And you know, the thing is, it does, uh, you know, as somebody who regularly exercises myself, I can say that, you know, it becomes self-rewarding at some point. I know yes. that there's, you know, there are people who, you know, hear about people who go to the gym and so on. They can't imagine, gee, you know, you go out in these cold winters. And I know, they think, we think, we think we're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, and they're getting ready and all that. And, uh, but you don't see people who regularly attend the gym who see it as as, as drudgery. And I think yeah. the reason is because once once you start doing it, the feedback, the personal rewards are really great. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, just on that note, 
Um, so I've been in therapy for, I don't know, 20 years. And one of the things that my therapist did when I first started was she asked me to keep a mood journal related to exercise because I was having a very hard time exercising. So, you know, just been short the first half of my life, I was not a regular exerciser. I kind of hated my body. I was six feet tall. I was awkward. And slowly, it's, you know, it's a process. I started to lean into exercise. My parents helped me. Um, they got me into therapy and she got me to keep a two week mood journal. And honestly, it is exactly what you're, what you're saying, because what she got me to do is every time I exercise to write down before I exercise on a scale of one to 10, my mood, you know, how, how lethargic I was, how positive I was about life, you know, so 10 was good. One was bad. And then she said, after you exercise, write down what number you are. And what is so cool is I have this data that shows that no matter where I started, I ended slightly in a better mood. And sometimes it just went from like a one to a 1.1. Like it wasn't a massive difference, but it was a difference. And it was a little bit of a better mood. And I felt proud of myself. And a lot of times I started at like a two and ended at like an eight. And I, I often encourage my clients to do that because I think you're right that if you're not in the regular habit of moving, it can feel very overwhelming. It can feel onerous. It can feel exhausting. Your body can hurt a little bit afterwards. And until you get in that habit of knowing that your mood is better after, that you feel stronger, that daily life is better, you get injured less, you know, you feel more vital, you sleep better, and um, all of those, that positive feedback, but you have to do it enough to actually get that feedback. So sometimes if you can just say to yourself, okay, for the next two weeks, it's not going to be perfect. And I'm not going to want to do the movement, but I'm going to do it for science sake. I'm going to do it to get some data. And that's that little incentive. And then you do it. And it's exactly what you said. And then you have the data, you feel better. And, and then it's easier to make yourself move. And I'm not saying it's easy because it's not. And I think that that would be lying to people. Like I don't wake up every morning being like, yay, I get to go for a run. Some mornings I do, but some mornings I'm like, oh my God, it's still a pandemic and I'm depressed. And I just want to pull the covers over my head. But then I think, you know what, Kathleen, you will feel better if you move. And COVID is hard. And one of the things that's hard about it is there's so many things outside of our control and something that is in your control is moving your body. So then I get out of bed, and I get out and I go for my run or I do my weights, but it's because I have the self-talk to be able to say, you will feel better that I'm able to push past that feeling of not wanting to. So I think it slowly becomes easier and slowly we get more data that we are a healthier, you know, more energized human and a more like filled with pride human. Like I, I like going to bed at night saying to myself, like, yeah, there's these 75 things that you couldn't control, but these five things that you could control, you know, you were good to your partner. My partner, his name is James. You know, you were a good partner to James. You were a good daughter to your mom. You know, you went for a walk. Like then you can say like, yeah, I, I did those things. And then that, that's makes me sort of go to bed and put my head on the pillow and feel good about myself, which I like. And that's really a good point that it to, to point out that it's not like people who do exercise and commit to staying fit are, you know, are like in a different category than people no. who aren't. <laughs> no, we're we still human. have those issues where it, we have days where we need to get motivated yeah. to do this or when we, you know, it's the same temperature outside when it's you know, cold or when it's dark. Absolutely. Like that. Yeah. And yeah. So that, so. Well, and you can I just say, like sure. you said about the motivation, I also think that's a really key point that people think that the motivation is what makes you exercise. Like they're like, oh, well you, you're exercising. You must be a motivated person. And it's actually not so much that it's that I've set up my life so that exercising is just a natural fabric of my being. 
Um, and in fact, I'm often really not motivated. And I think this is actually a really important point for people to get because motivation is akin to an emotion, right? It comes up and it goes down. And, you know, January 1st or your birthday or Sunday night, you're like really motivated. And you think, okay, well, because I'm motivated now, I'm always going to be motivated. So I don't need to make plans. I don't need to schedule workouts into my calendar. I don't need to get a fitness buddy because it's just like, well, I'm motivated now. So I will, that'll carry me through. And, you know, it won't carry you through because everybody has ebbs and flows in their motivation. And so will everybody listening because everybody is human. So the brain has this cognitive distortion called present bias. And it tells us that we will feel however we feel now is how we'll always feel. So if you wake up in the morning and you're tired, you think, well, I shouldn't exercise because I'm tired. So I'll always feel tired. If you feel motivated, you think, well, I feel motivated now. So I'll always feel motivated. So I don't need to create systems that will help my future self. And the, the net takeaway is that your emotions will fluctuate and you have to find ways to create systems in your life where when your emotions fluctuate, it doesn't matter because systems are there that constrain your future self. So, you know, as I said, the fitness buddy that's waiting for you at six in the morning. So you wake up and you're not motivated and you're like, well, I really don't want to do this, but I'm not going to leave like Joe Schmo or Jenny, my best friend outside in the freezing cold waiting for me. Like I'm going to get up because I'm the type of person who shows up for my friend or whatever it is. Like if you have a dog, that's a system that gets you out of the house because the dog needs you to go for a walk or if you have kids, whatever, whatever your systems are, that you have to realize that you're not always going to be motivated and that people who are active are definitely not always motivated. We've just created a life that sort of nudges us towards our healthier habits. Um, and that takes time and perseverance and, you know, trial and error, uh, but it is intentional. Same like lots of other things. I mean, you know, if you only went to a job on the days you were motivated. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Very long. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. You know, I think, I don't know, for some reason people think exercise is like, well, I have to feel the proper way before I could do it. But that's a great point. Like you wake up in the morning and you still go to work, even if you don't want to. So somehow there has to be this flip where movement is this non-negotiable. And then you say to yourself like, yeah, I don't want to but it's good for me and it's worth it. And, you know, but again, I want people to realize this doesn't come quote unquote easily. And I think people look at fit people or people in the fitness field like me and they think, well, they were born motivated, you know? And um, I really wasn't like, I used to sneak food when I was a kid. My mom tried everything like ballet, hockey. I would like lie to get out of gym class and say I was um, sick. And like, it just, I was so the unfit person I identified as the person who wanted to be a blob on the sofa. And it took a lot of work and it took a lot of time for me to slowly become who I am today. So I want also people listening to sort of think like, it doesn't all have to happen tomorrow or overnight, you know, like this is, they're allowed to be patient with themselves and give themselves time to progress to that fitter future that. No, that's terrific. What kind of happened or why did you at some point say, hey, this isn't the way that I, I want to live my life, that I do want to become more fit and so on? Because yeah. you said that, that that's not how you started. So maybe yeah. tell us a little bit about your journey to... Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is I don't know if I ever didn't want to be fit. Like, you know, I grew up, as I said, like overweight and very unhappy in my body. And I think if you had said to the 15 year old Kathleen, do you want to be fit? I would be like, like, I would have said like, yes, of course I want to be fit. I would have almost been insulted that you thought I didn't, but my actions 
didn't match my desires. And I think that's so often with us as humans, right? We have these desires to lose weight or to eat better. And our aspirational values are one thing, but our lived reality is so different. Um, And I think I had a lot of body shame. Um, I also just really think that we hadn't found the plan that worked for me. We were kind of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Like my mom always tried to make me, well, not make me sounds harsh, but it was more just like the normal way for a child to be fit is to be active with their peers. But I was always much more confident and comfortable with people who were older than me. And for whatever reason, I just was a very awkward uh, child. And so being, you know, going to dance class and having to be in this like pink tutu with my peers just like didn't jive well with me. So eventually what my mom said to me was, we're going to get you a membership to the YMCA because the demographic is sort of over 40 and under five. And you're going to go and you were going to walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes. And she said exactly what I said, you know, at the beginning of the interview, that being active has to be thought of as a non-negotiable, but how you're active can, we can pick that and we can fit that to where you are. Right. So she really met me where I was. She met me in my reality versus trying to say, well, the best way to work out is to join a softball team or the way that all other children work out is to go to ballet. Like, that just didn't work. And I don't think it really works for, for most of us. So I started at the YMCA walking for 10 minutes, which turned into 20 minutes. And then I started to, you know, do some light weight training there. And then I took some aerobics classes um, and then taking aerobics classes kind of turned into teaching aerobics classes. I always thought I was going to be a lawyer. In fact, my partner, James, he is a lawyer, but you know, along the way I sort of changed that. Like I did my undergrad in kinesiology because you could do anything in undergrad and then become a lawyer. And I was thinking, you know, I'd go to law school and then I finished kinesiology and I was like, Oh, I kind of, you know, maybe I'll do a year of teaching Pilates. And I did that. And then in the end, I just ended up doing a master's in exercise science. And, but it was a really slow process. And it really started with my mom saying, like, where are you now? Like, who are you now? You might in 10 years want to be the, the runner and, you know, the triathlete. And I did turn into that. But if I had started there, I would have never progressed. So I think I always say to my clients, a lot of it is just like radical honesty about where you are in this present moment and not lying to yourself about sort of where, you know, you could be or you want to be or where you should be. And just sort of saying, okay, like meet yourself where you are, start slow make, the, pri- make the, the price of admission very, very small. And then just little wins after little wins after little wins. And then you wake up, you know, 20 years later and this is my career and I could never not do it. I love it. I can't go a day without moving my body. I get sort of like antsy. <laughs> well, I think you've given some great advice for parents who want to raise a fit child. And that's, yeah. you know, really to think in terms of, you know, basic psychology, that there are individual differences and allow people to evolve in line with their individual differences. Yeah. Let me ask about the other age, uh, end of the age spectrum, somebody who, you know, I'm obviously quite a bit older than you, and you could grow up in my time, and nobody really made you, you know, join a gym, work out, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Nobody told you anything about nutrition, or if you did, uh, you know, the the general approach to life was more or less that it was, you know, if you're overweight, you're overweight, you're, that's who you are, that that there's very little that you can control. And uh, while we know differently now, if somebody Uh is in their second half century of life, and they don't have it as a habit, Uh uh, they are out of shape, and who maybe when they've tried to do certain things, they've overdone it. uh, So it 
became less fun. So what advice do you have for uh, an older person who reads the same, you know, information that all the rest Mm -hmm. of us do? They know that that's from a health standpoint, you're better off being in good shape. But yeah, I love that. And and they don't have a mother like yours who's still around to, you know, introduce them to some Mm -hmm. stuff gradually. Yeah. Well, I think I would say first start slow. And that's because of science. Like the body has this amazing ability to adapt, but you need to have what's called progressive overload. So you don't want to go from doing nothing to doing, you know, two hours at the gym. And then you'll be like, oh my God, why am I so sore? Why am I so injured? Like you said it, even in your question, how you framed it, you said, you know, these people who maybe have tried to do too much and then it has been very unfun. So I think people tend to boom and bust with health and wellness, right? They, they don't do a lot. And then they're like, oh my God, I should be doing this. And then they go all out and they do too much. And the trick to remember is that exercise is a stress on the body and it is a positive stress on the body, but only if you give your body the tools that it needs to recover. And only if you work within your the kind of Goldilocks threshold, meaning if you do too little, you get weaker. If you do just the right amount, you get stronger. And then if you do too much, you get injured. Now, obviously the problem with that is finding your Goldilocks threshold is trial and error. um, And it's different for everybody. But again, go back to that radical honesty, sort of think to yourself, okay, so what did I, what have I done for the last month? And if the most you've done for the last month is a 10 minute kind of walk, you know, to and from your car or to go get groceries, that's a really good starting point. So, okay, so currently I do 10 minutes. So then maybe what should I do? 20 minutes. Minutes, but not an hour and not, you know, not 45 minutes because you want to start where you are and slowly building blocks up from there. So that would be the one thing I would just say is progressive adaptation is huge. Um, and recognizing that there's three tiers to fitness, right? So there is the cardiovascular health, there's the sort of strength core balance, and then there's the mobility flexibility and all three of those like legs at the tabletop are really important. And they they support each other, right? Like you can't, let's take mobility. If your ankles can't flex properly, then you're not going to be able to do a squat properly um, or you're not going to be able to walk up hills properly because you're not going to be able to get enough dorsiflexion in your ankle, um, right? So if this is your foot, plantar flexion is down like this, your dorsiflexion is you're pulling your toes up to the ceiling. So if you're walking up a hill, you need to be able to dorsiflex your foot. If you're squatting, you need to be able to move your ankle basically. So they support each other. If you're not stretching your ankles, then when you squat, you might hurt your back, right? So making sure that you're doing a little bit from each of those camps of movement is really important. So for like a, you know, walking would be for your, could be for your cardio. And then you could do a 10 minute sort of yoga, yoga by Adrian, for example, has great like restorative yoga. It's free. It's online. Um, And then you could Google sort of like 10 minutes for active aging for strength and core or Pilates or something like that. And then just have the balanced approach. I think that's really important balance and knowing yourself. So first we have progressive adaptation, gradual build, and that would include making sure you recover well and recovery includes like making sure you're eating well, you're sleeping well, you're hydrating. And then the second bucket is that like three tiers of the three table legs, making sure that's balanced. And then the third thing I really just think would be making sure your workouts are like convenient and realistic so that you can do them long-term. 
Because I think a lot of the time people think again, that idea of like, well, what's the best? And they're like, well, the best would be going to the gym for an hour, but then you got the travel time there and you got the travel time back and you might be able to do that for a week, but can you do that long-term? And this, I really am a big believer that this is about what is sustainable in your life because we want to make this a lifestyle change. I don't want you, you know, to find something that you can do for the first week of January and then be like, oh, well, it's too hard. I've injured myself. It's not fun. I hate it. Well, I guess that, that'd be the fourth thing. Find something that you don't despise. You might not love it at the beginning, right? You might not have my dad's love of hockey uh, because, you know, he has a history of 70 years of playing hockey. You might not have my mom's love of yoga. Again, she has like 50 years of yoga, but you can find things that at least you don't actively despise because if you really hate something, you're not going to stick with it. So, you know, make it as fun as you can. Maybe you do a family challenge. So maybe you and your partner, you see how many steps you can get. And then whoever gets the most steps, you know, gets to pick the movie on, you know, for Friday night movie night or something like it, whatever it is, like just make it so it's slightly enjoyable or as I said, at least not something you're absolutely like, oh my God, this makes me want to vomit. <laughs> what do you do for, what do you do for fitness fun? You, you are, you obviously feel this stuff is important. Like what's, what's your action that, that you enjoy? Well, basically, it depended on where I was, you know, in my life. But basically, at this point, I, I walk for 45 minutes every day. I don't have an ACL anymore uh, from basketball injury years ago. And and uh, so although I had had a hip replaced, that doesn't limit me as much as not having the ACL. So I don't run. So I, I walk nowadays for 45 minutes and then either uh go to the gym where where there's obviously machines and weights and so on or at home I've got cables and bands and things of that nature so I I kind of an exercise type person at this point Uh, I love that I love well I love what you said it depends on where I am in my life I think and I think that's really key right there's no Oh, like there's not one exercise program out there. And I, I think that people get that in their head. Well, it's like, I have to find the one thing I should be doing. It's like, it's allowed to change. It's an iterative process. You know, in my twenties, I did Ironmans, I did triathlons, and now I'm much more into Pilates and I love walking and being in nature. And so it's allowed to change. Um, and it's allowed to reflect where you are in the world, like where you are in your world, your life, but it's also, it should change where you are like in the rest of the world. As in like, you know, if you can't go to the gym because of COVID, then you can create a home gym. You said you have bands, resistance bands is amazing. You can get, you know, light, medium, heavy bands, a set for like 15 bucks. And for them, you can do reverse flies. You can do biceps, you can do triceps, you can do leg lifts. Like you can make yourself sort of a set of cables at home with bands. Mm -hmm. Or if you travel a lot for work, you can bring bands with you in your suitcase. They're super light, you know? So I think, you know, one of the things my mom really taught me when I was a kid is this idea of a fine solutions attitude. Um, I think that's really critical for health because there's always going to be something going wrong in the world, going something going off in your life. And, you know, you can have the best, best plans in the world and they're still going to have to change and you have to be able to GPS your health, right? You have to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, Toronto could be going to Eglinton and, Young Street, but, um, but you might not be able to take Young Street because of the traffic jams. You might have to go up by Avenue Road, right? Like, so in your life, you got to think that way of like, okay, my destination is being a fit, active human when I'm 85. And right now I have an ACL injury or I have to have a hip replace. So then what are my solutions? How do I stay active? What do I do? And I think a lot of people find excuses 
And I don't mean that in sort of like a critical, like you're finding a Seuss's kind of way. I just mean like, I think that it is a mindset that we get into that is very much like the world is being done to me versus I can create, I can design as much as possible a world that, that fits me and, you know, GPS my health and find solutions. And yeah, but it's a mindset. Yeah, I mean, I think those are, as I look back at it, I hadn't thought much about this, but adjusted different things as my body adjusted it. For example, I, I tore love my it. ACL in days when the only time, well, first of all, I tore it before they even knew how to find it. But then you could only, it became an open surgery that if you were going to get millions of bucks playing uh, professional sports, they might repair, but they don't re- mm-hmm. didn't repair it in those days. Now they can do it arthroscopically. Mm-hmm. But the alternative was wearing this big brace, which was kind of okay for skiing. It bothered me for playing tennis to be out there with this brace. So I, I kind of moved on from that. And then skiing, I, I really did enjoy it. But when it got to be, I looked around and everybody was younger than me. And as you get better, the key thing you put yourself more at risk with falling, Mm. Uh, you know, I kind of changed, but I, you know, I can see where for some people, if you just give up at that point and say, okay, there's, there's not an alternative. And I mean, you know, there is always an alternative. There's always a solution. Like literally when I was a kid, my mom, if I was whining or there was something stressful going on in life, what she would say is Kathleen, there is always a and she would pause and I would have to say, a solution. And then she'd say, and if we can't find one, we, and I would say, create one. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's the attitude we all need about our health. It's like, yeah, I can't do this, but I can do that. And listen, this is a problem of privilege, like finding ways to move. This is not like, we're not hard done by the fact that we have to find solutions and have to sort of tweak our exercise program. That's a huge, that's because we're still alive. Like that's awesome. Right. And I love what you said, like, okay, well, I didn't do this, but then I decided to do that instead. And I, you don't just stop. And I know there's something about like changing that I think sometimes people feel is like weakness. Um, and then they spite, they cut off their nose to spite their face. They're like, well, I don't want to change. So I'm just going to, but then they end up stopping. And it's like, well, what does that do? If you stop, like you just totally get unfit versus if you change, you just find a different way to be fit. So I don't know. I think a lot of it is just psychology and, and almost just needing to go talk to a therapist and just sort of say like, okay, why am I being so staunchly ingrained in this thing that I used to be and used to have instead of being able to evolve and be curious about what is the next stage of my life, you know? And listen, it's, it's hard. I had about five years ago, I had a really quite a bad hip injury and I had, you know, a couple of years where I couldn't run and, you know, believe me, I was, I wasn't as naturally positive as I feel right now. I had to really fight through it, but I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about my body and I don't know what, I don't know what the alternative is, right? Like, I think the problem is if you give up and you don't find solutions, you end up just compounding the problem. Like with my hip injury, it's not like by wishing it going away, I could wish it away. Like it's always, it was always going to be there. And I had to go through the process of meeting with the surgeon and doing my physio. So I could either go through the process of meeting the surgeon and going through my physio and doing all of the things that were going to support me, or I could go through that process and eat 17 pounds of ice cream and cookies and cakes and not get out of bed and then compound the problem. And I think that that's the biggest thing is just sort of step back and say, okay, like what's the solution and how do I not compound the problem? Yeah, and Which is not, e- not easy. Yeah. But the, the, one of the key things is changing and adapting to new things and so on. It's not only just 
good for your body, but it's really good for your brain and really is one of the ways of uh, increasing the odds of warding off dementia and Alzheimer's and things yeah, like that. Yeah, you're so wise. Absolutely. So smart. I completely wholeheartedly agree. Well, I'm going to have to start another podcast for guests like you that I can keep going for an unlimited amount of time. <laughs> we'll do a five-hour podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but there is something I got to ask since we are. Okay. Unfortunately, um, I thought I used to talk about the fact, well, we're still in COVID for, you know, so until next time, maybe we won't have to say, stay safe and stuff like that. Oh, but the, the reality is that, you know, we've been living with something that none of us planned for. One of my great sources of pride was once, once we started working remotely and uh, being home more, uh, I did put on about three pounds, which really annoyed me. And so I, between my last physical last year, and I had one last week, you know, I committed myself between exercise and nutrition, and I weigh 17 pounds less than I did. Wow, muzzle top. Congratulations. So, That's huge um, dedication. Good for you. So, but I was obviously struck by on your website, you've mm -hmm. got something called the COVID-19 Sanity Pack, which, uh, you know, discusses some of the things that maybe can help us, you know, deal with because uh, initially uh, we didn't know what to do with COVID. Do you, yeah. do you keep your windows closed? Do you yeah. and, and then we found out some of the best things you can do is to get out there and yeah, and get moving, get exercising. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Can you give us some of advice to some of those who are still carrying around a little bit of that extra COVID weight and mm -hmm. perhaps yeah, some I of that COVID depression? Depression. Yeah. I mean, the more you move, the better I, I, you know, the worse your mood, the more important the workout, you know, the thing about COVID that I think is interesting is it very much amplifies what was already there about life as in life is never really predictable. We always think we're in control and that is just like a fallacy. Um, you know, that, that phrase, like you make plans and God laughs or something like that. And, and sort of COVID has amplified this real uncertainty. So obviously it, it's more than it was, but those are realities that we've always had to live with and we always will. I talk with my clients a lot about learning how to struggle well, uh, which is sort of some of the things we've already talked about, having that find solutions attitude, controlling what you can control, not compounding the problem, stepping back in a moment and saying like, okay, let me pause. So I respond to this versus react to it because it's very easy, especially when you're burnt out. Um, or your stress, where we all are, to sort of react to something with emotion versus with sort of that intellect and pause. And, you know, Viktor Frankl, he was a, he survived World War II. He wrote a book, Man's Search for Meaning. I'm sure you know the book. It's, and his phrase, I'm going to paraphrase, is basically like, our greatest power is the moment between stimulus and response. And I think that COVID has really, really taxed that need for us, right? And it's really challenged us to just be able to calm down because we're so all so stressed and exhausted. So I think the sanity pack just goes through different ways that you can find solutions. You know, they talk about different home workouts you can do, band workouts you can do, uh, ways that you can take control of your nutrition, you know, not bringing food into the house that you don't want you or somebody you love to eat. It talks about the importance of designing uh, your habits uh, versus letting them be created by default. And again, that's just amplified what we always have had to do in regular life pre-COVID. It's just that pre-COVID, there was a slightly more 
flow to life that for most of us helped us with our exercise. You know, we walked to the, the subway to go to work, or even when you were at the office, you walked around the office. Like my partner talks a lot about if he goes into the office by doing nothing, he'll end up getting like an extra 5,000 steps in his day because, you know, he walks to the subway, he walks from the subway to the office, he walks around, he gets a coffee. Whereas if he's working from home, which is most days now, he has to intentionally fit those 5,000 calories. I'm sorry, 5,000 steps into his day because, it, you know, his our apartment is small. It's not like walking from the bathroom to his desk chair is going to get those 5,000 steps. So I think what COVID has made us have to do is step back and say, okay, I've always had to plan my my health and wellness. And now I have to do it even more. I've always had so many things in life that are out of my control. Okay. Now I have to control what I can control even more. I've always known that if I'm tired or hungry or stressed, I make worse decisions, right? Like I grab food without thinking about it, or I skip exercise because I'm mad or sad. And now I know that I'm going to more likely be mad or sad or depressed. So I have to have more systems that help me out. And especially with the food, right? We so many of us eat so mindlessly, like we walk by the kitchen and we grab food or as we're cooking for our family, we eat a dinner and then we sit down and we eat another dinner. So all of those things have always been around, but it's just more, it's amplified, it's harder. And, um, and it's harder also because we're all exhausted. And my Greg McEwen, he, he has a podcast called Essentialism and a book. And he says his tagline that he starts every podcast with, there's two types of people in this world people who are burnt out and people who know that they're burnt out. And the point is, is that we all have lived through this crazy last couple of years and we're all exhausted. And when you're tired and exhausted, it's even harder to make healthy choices, uh, but it's even more important. And I think that that would be the message that I hope everybody gets from this podcast is yes, it's hard. Yes, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm not always motivated, but it's even more important to stay healthy for my mind, for my body, for my immune health. Um, and just for my mental well-being of saying, yeah, there's 500 things I can't control. Okay, but I'm not going to let those 500 things pull me down. I'm going to control the three things or the five things that I can control. I can control how I speak to my partner. I can speak to him or her nicer. You know, I can be kind. I can be compassionate. I can control that I put vegetables in my dinner. I can you know, control that I phoned my mother and asked her how her day was. You know, there are things that we can do that make, again, we circle back to sort of that idea of when my head hits the pillow, you know, I want to feel proud. I want to feel like I did the best I can. And best I can do is not the same as the best. I think that's a big, big difference that we have to appreciate that we think like the best I can means the best impossible. It's like, no, you're not a robot. And so it's the, the best that you can do is relative to the situation. So it is COVID, you know, but you can still make the choice that is going to make you proud in a, in a realistic way. Okay. And listeners know that if you, if you were listening, then she's kind of discussed all the things that I talk about in, in my book or in my philosophy, that if you're always changing and growing in three main areas, the health and fitness area, keeping the mind active and staying socially connected, those are that's a real game changer if you can have all that going on at one time Absolutely. now the most saddest task of this uh thing is i've got to start calling time with no and there are two really important things that i want to conclude with in any order that you want first okay. of all to just give us uh, the short course on what's in your book and where they can get it and okay. the second thing is just in terms of uh, how do people get in touch with or see if they can work with you? Do they have to be in 
Toronto? Or do you do things online? Is there, uh, do you have courses? And yeah. do all that in as short a period as, as a short period. Okay. Well, my website is Kathleen. At their destination. The destination. Okay. Okay. So KathleenTrotter.com is my website. You can get my books there. You can also get my books on like Amazon or any of those, but go to my website. I do work with people on Zoom all around the world. I work with people here in my studio, um, but I don't have a lot of room for one-on-one people. So the best way to work with me would either be to get my books and email me like through my website, any questions. I love hearing from people or come and join me on my next uh, group coaching, which is a Zoom five-week course. I'll probably do another one either February or March uh, 2020. Um, And that's when I work with people. It's like sort of 10 to 20 people. It's five weeks. We go through everything that's in the books. Um, It's a lot of, you know, one-on-one coach, like it's it's group coaching, but then you get unlimited email access with me. So that's how the the one-on-one comes in. And I'm fit by Kathleen T on all the socials. So if you want to reach out on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I love hearing from people. Honestly, I'm very passionate about this topic, as you can tell. So if you have any questions about anything, just let me know. And I, I'm always here. Well, Kathleen, it's been an absolute delight speaking with you and having you share so much information with us. And we got to get you back because there's too, I have too many questions that we yeah. didn't deal with. But I know that uh, listeners can take away so many gems from, you know, re-listening to this. I know I'll listen to it a few times. And we have all the information that you stated about being in touch and where you can get the book in our show notes. And uh, I can't think of a better way to kick off the new year than to give us, you know, the, the real guidance on how to become the best and healthiest versions of ourselves. And it's never too late as you've proved it. It's never too early. Let's make sure that, you know, regardless of age, regardless of what your history is, that you make a fitness, a non-negotiable part of your life. And then it'll be a whole lot easier, easier to rejuvenate as you go through life. And so again, Sincerest thanks, Kathleen. This has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. And let's all make sure that we're incorporating these great ideas into our own lives. Uh, I know many of us do a lot of things going in the right direction, but nobody does everything as well as we can. And again, wherever you are, just to increase what you're doing, you know, a few steps at a time, make it make it fun, not tolerable. And again, live life with enthusiasm. And uh, once again, I do have to say that since we are still in the pandemic, stay safe out there as you incorporate all these ideas. Please re-listen to the podcast, download it, tell your friends about it, uh, rate it, and be, uh, be glad to hear your comments about it. And then be back next week when another guest will help us to lead our lives with enthusiasm and continue through the year to become an increasingly better version of ourselves. Thanks again, Kathleen, and everybody have a good week and a good new year. 